and welcome to the Incredible Witness Podcast. Today's episode is titled, How Do You Feel About That? I don't know why you chose to become a children's social worker, but if you're anything like me, you got into the work because you cared about children and you wanted to do work of a high quality with them, which positively impacted on their life. The problem, at least as I see it, is that due to the pressure of the workload and what your organisation expects of you, there's little, if any, time to do quality work. You just don't tend to be allowed the time to do work to a good or high standard because you're pushed from pillar to post. So the only opportunity you get to think creatively when not under massive pressure is when you're not at work. Frequently, people take their work home and do it in the evenings and weekends. But of course, the issue with this is that it eats into valuable time that you need to have free in order to care for yourself and manage your life. Something that's absolutely vital to your health, well-being and ability to remain reasonably productive. Particularly since the work you are constantly engaged in is not only emotionally demanding work, but is also mentally exhausting because you are really just dealing with one case at a time. Instead, you are having to consider multiple cases pretty much all of the time. As I write these words, a picture forms in my mind of a headless chicken running around all over the place, exhausted, directionless and unproductive, due to attempting to deal with multiple emergencies simultaneously. Sound or feel familiar? We hear the words, take care of yourself, don't work too hard. Well, not so much the latter, because that would be totally contradictory given the voluminous workload you're expected to get through. So what do people and managers mean when they say, take care of yourself? It's really an important question to ask, because you certainly can't do this work whilst twiddling your fingers. I think for the vast majority of social workers, there are aspects of the role which are incongruous with taking care of yourself. Do the words really mean, do the work and then take care of yourself? or whilst doing the work, take care of yourself? It's difficult, I think, to answer that question, because what invariably comes first is the work. And in our line of work, taking care of yourself and doing the work are frequently incompatible because of the nature of the work and the environment in which you work is one where the work never stops, irrespective of your health or individual circumstances. There's no sense in which having undergone a prolonged period of intense work you get a break from doing such work, other than going on holiday leave, going on sick leave or leaving the job. And because of the way you tend to to be treated as a social worker, and due to the intense pressure, most people are inclined to go on sick leave, leave, or as is often the case, when people become burnt out or ill, they become sick and end up leaving. What I really find astonishing is that social work is a profession in which the endless voluminous workload is managed by the goodwill and care of those on the ground, facing the stress and pressure of all from all angles. We know there is a national shortage of social workers, and that numbers of children and families requiring social work involvement are continuing to rise. Social workers work in a profession that constantly poses the question, how do you feel about this or that? We ask children, that we work with, what their wishes and feelings are, 
and with parents and family members, we are constantly seeking their views, thoughts and feelings. Why do we ask these questions? When focusing on the needs and well-being of children, we ask for their feelings and views because we know how important their wishes and feelings are to their sense of well-being. We want them to know we care about their feelings and wishes, even if we cannot ensure they get whatever it is they want. When it comes to parents or family members, we consult with them and get their views and thoughts for at least two or three reasons. Firstly, because they are significant and influential people to their children, so their views are important. Secondly, because any plan aimed at safeguarding a child or meeting their their needs can be supported or undermined by a parent or carer's thoughts and views. And thirdly, their views are important because they form an integral part of any assessment of their ability to care for their child. Any way you look at it, your feelings and views are highly significant to you. How you feel about something makes all the difference as regards your attitude towards a task or an individual. And yet, when it comes to social workers, whilst we're encouraged to glean the feelings of those we work with, our own thoughts and feelings, by comparison, are denied or are insignificant in the eyes of of our managers, local authorities and the courts. Let me give you an example that sticks out in my mind of of exactly how social workers should not be treated if you want to keep them and encourage them to produce their best work as opposed to trying to squeeze every last bit of work out of them. I had been working at a local authority as a locum or agency social worker. I developed a nasty cold with flu-type symptoms. Anyway, you get the picture. I felt weak and pretty rough. On the day in question, I was expected to be on duty, but I was not well enough to travel to work. However, such was my commitment to the team and my manager, I called her up and I told her I was sick, but was willing to do what I could remotely from home. She appreciated the call, but told me she was not the manager on duty that day and advised me to call the other manager who was covering duty. I did so, explained that I was very ill and thus could not come in that day. The response of this this other manager represented the antithesis of empathy. It represented everything you do not want to hear or feel from someone managing you. Her words to me were something like this. Well, it doesn't matter how sick you are, you're going to complete the work and that has to be done today. There was not even the faintest suggestion of care in her attitude. Now to place her behaviour in context, her attitude didn't represent a personal dislike of me. Well, as far as I was aware, that is. She was following orders from her service manager and above, because neither the service manager or head of service were willing to be called into court to explain their actions or inactions or inaction with regard to a case in front of a judge who had a reputation for being scathingly critical and had a notorious dislike for the local authority. So yeah, I got it. No one in the organisation wanted to do anything that resulted in them having to attend court and face a withering verbal tirade from from that judge. But knowing that I was sick, they could have asked another worker to undertake some, some of the tasks that needed doing, or at the very least, shown some semblance of care if empathy was beyond them. However, none of that was shown, and only one reason comes to mind. They didn't care. 
It was all about covering their backs. And it's experiences like that that tells you all you need to know about individuals and some of the organisations you work for. Their behaviour, which I have little doubt is mirrored by the examples other, some, other social workers face up and down the country, speaks volumes about the lack of care that exists in a profession that purports to care so much about children, and yet not at all for those delivering the service. Something else I consider speaks volumes about person or an organisation is the way they treat or behave, not towards their superiors or their peers, but to those who are subordinate to them. How you treat the people who are considered to be under you or lower in rank sums up to a considerable extent the quality of your integrity and character. And this for me is a critical factor, epitomising what is wrong in social work. In a profession where a recent LinkedIn poll indicated that approximately 70% or more of its workforce would not recommend others join it, this should send a clear message that the profession needs to change. But the profession would have to care enough to listen in the first place. And there is, in my view, no sign that they do. How do you feel about that? Thank you.